everybody. Welcome to the latest episode of the Emerald Podcast series. Today we're talking with Dave Gackle, one of our regional claims manager, about some of the nuts and bolts of being successful before and during deployment that go beyond what you might have learned from getting your licenses and various certifications. Dave's been in the business for 18 years, both as an adjuster and a manager, now a regional claims manager, so he has a unique perspective coming from all sides and all angles. So Dave, let's kick it off. Very good. Thanks for having me, Tina. So many people may not realize that laying the foundation for a good deployment starts before you even leave the house. Let's start from the beginning and talk about what to do before the call even comes, Dave. Well, I like to, um, I like to use the old Boy Scout motto of uh, actually be prepared. And that is, you know, have your phone ready, have your different devices ready, all of your different equipment. Uh, but, but really be prepared before storms happen. They can happen just about any time. Uh, typically, once you get a deployment request, you'll have 24 to 48 hours to arrive to the storm location. You know, a quick story, back when, uh, when my son was an adjuster, his very first deployment, he had his phone charged, he always had it with him, and then he went out one afternoon and didn't answer his phone two or three times because he didn't recognize the phone sure, number. Sure, like we've all done. Yeah, and, and our dispatchers have phone numbers from, from a lot of different areas, from yeah. different parts of the country. So you could get a call at any time from any, any different kind phone of number. number. So, so Absolutely. answer your phone too, besides it being charged. So. Yeah, and I would like to say this might sound basic, but know if you can take the assignment. If you've listed yourself as being available with us, we're counting on that. So many times we'll call folks and they say, well, I'm not sure. I might need to talk to my spouse. Um, can you give me a couple hours? I need to make some childcare arrangements. And it's not that we're not compassionate about those things, but you know, like Dave said, you've got 24 to 48 hours to get on site. So you're cutting into your travel time or somebody else's. So be sure that you know you can take that assignment if you've put yourself on our available list. I like to, um, when I was actually working claims, I would have all of my equipment stored in one location in the garage, all in big Rubbermaid bins. And I actually, when I very first started 18 years ago, actually took the time to pre-pack the car one time and make sure everything that I had was all in one place. Just do a dry run. Do a dry Why run. Why am I not surprised you did that, Dave? I don't know. So, <laughs> <laughs> so, and then uh, we also had, uh, I also like to use a checklist because we had an adjuster just last week that had to overnight his um, power adapter to his uh, phone oh, and man. his computer. Yeah. Of all things. So, drag. You know, just having that equipment all set aside is it's really important. You know, and, and speaking of equipment, uh, many of the carriers nowadays require you to have your own laptop, printer, and camera. Make sure those are all up to date. Make sure you've got yeah. all the power cables and everything of that put together. Um, cord supplies and, you know, ink and paper. You don't need, once you get to a storm site, to be running around and, and doing those errands that you could the have done The office max trips. Exactly. Right. Exactly. And you had brought up an interesting point the last time we spoke, uh, specifically about like power inverters. Yes. But a lot of times people don't really have the right equipment. You're running printers or laptops, you know, basically out of your uh, power outlet in your vehicle. So tell me again, like the highest voltage is what you want? I, I would recommend... You know, you, you can find them more inexpensively in the 250 watt or the 300 watt, but I would go at least 500 okay. watts. Great. Yes. And then also, like, like Tina was saying, make sure you're able to arrive on time. You've got, um, you've got commitments. Uh, you've got possibly orientations to attend uh, on certain days and certain times. Just another good reason to be ready to roll, as yeah. it were. So, 
um, you know, and again, once you've gotten that deployment, you've actually accepted it, you're going to start receiving from uh, your dispatcher or possibly even from some of the different on-site management um, some some important documentation in hand, you know, a deployment email with instructions. You may be required to bring documents with you. You may also be required to do documents or, or take some additional training before you leave Absolutely. the house. So quite a bit of information there. Yeah, it can get overwhelming. You might feel like you're getting a ton of information from us. We're not doing it just to be spiteful or bombard you. There is a ton of useful information. Sometimes um, it can hold up your payroll if you don't bring the documents that you needed to bring. So by all means, it may sound redundant, but do read anything that we sent you once you've been been deployed. It's for your own interest, and uh, we're just trying to save you time on the back end. Right. And right now, what Eberl, the Eberl Training Department is working on is helping the adjusters be more ready also with um, you know certain software requirements like the program Xactimate installed on your equipment and uh, a real good resource would be to reach out to our training department through Ebrels. Give Ebrels a call and ask to be transferred to the training department and they can walk you through the steps that are required. Absolutely. Um, I love the point about Xactimate. Having Xactimate installed on your computer and ready to go is going to be so helpful in turning you on for claims. In fact, there's a lot of instances where we have to select people that already have the program loaded just because time is of the essence with some of these carriers. And some of you may not know, but you can have the com the pardon me, you can have the program loaded on your computer, but you don't have to be paying the monthly fees for it. We completely understand that you don't want to be paying for a subscription while you're not using it. So like Dave said, by all means, contract our, contact our training department and they can tell you how you can get it loaded on. Sometimes you can get a free trial or you can have a couple days to kind of play around with it, but Xactimate is crucial. So I think that's a great point. Let's jump into um, some of the requirements that you're going to see and experience once you get to an actual uh, deployment site. You know, if it's a if it's a typical catastrophe or in you know in the industry they call it a cat situation. You know, the first day or two may simply be dedicated to on-site carrier-specific meetings, um, explaining that particular company's procedures and, most importantly, the expectations or, and, and again, the insurance industry is notorious for acronyms, and <laughs> SLAs, SLOs, or in essence, their service level objectives, what your expectations are uh, to be completing those particular files and, and certain stages of those files. Um, you know, in particular, uh, they, they do all vary from company to company, but the industry is getting to be to where all of those particular time frames are shortening up all the time. Sure. And um, almost all of the companies require that once you have actually received your claims, they expect you to have a voice-to-voice -voice or some other form of contact with the insureds within 48 hours of when you receive wow. that claim. Um, they will almost always expect that you have 90 to 100% of your claims contacted by the end of the second day that you're on site. And so what do you think, what do you see typically nowadays that people get as an initial claim load? What are people looking at? Well, we're seeing on average somewhere in the neighborhood of 20 to 30 claims per adjuster. To and start, again, yeah. I'm a little bit um, a little bit skewed only because I'm currently involved with the Liberty Mutual and Safeco side okay. of things and that's more or less an average of what we're seeing, but we're hearing that from other companies, other carriers and some of the other managers that I speak to. So that's about average. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I'd like to just back up for a minute and talk a little bit about um, 
you're at a large catastrophe site, I always like to remind people to be patient. There are a million moving parts in a big cat operation, and you're one of them. You're a really important one of them, but you're one of them. Around here, we basically call it managed chaos. You might end up moving locations multiple times. Claims might be slow coming in. Carrier directives can and will change regularly. Resources can be scarce, say gasoline, food, hotel rooms. Cell service can be spotty. There's a bunch of other challenges. So always remember to be flexible and patient while that cat is first being set up. But, you know, it's nice because in the interim, then you can go ahead and you can make those contact calls. Um, as long as you've got all your equipment up and running, which goes back to what we talked about earlier, making sure you have anything. You don't want to be in a post-Katrina storm site trying to go find a power cord. You never know what issues you're going to encounter at a site. Very true. Over the years, I've used a, a couple of sayings, and one of them in particular is that, you know, the more things, you know, rather just, just as soon as everything gets set, um, the only thing that's going to remain the same is that everything is going to change. Exactly. And, it's, and that is so common within our industry. Absolutely. Absolutely. You have to be able to go with the flow. Exactly. So I know that um, going back to the SLAs now, one of the important expectations revolves around insured contact and the requirements you said are generally within 48 hours of receiving a claim and that you've, um, you'll be expected to have 90%, 90 to 100% of the claims you receive contacted by the end of the second day on site. So after all the contacts are made, let's move on to the inspections and scheduling portion. Okay. So... The particular inspected to close ratio is a very hot, very strong hot button within the industry. And it's getting to be where that particular ratio gets to be tighter and tighter all the time. Um, in, in many of the adjusters that might be listening right now have heard never inspect more than what you can close that particular day. Sure. And in trying to teach younger adjusters that as well is very, very important because, you know, if you can only go out and do two claims in one day, then work those to completion. Right. And then get used to the system and move up to three claims a day or four claims a day. Right. But still targeting to have all of those claims inspected and then submitted for review at the end of that same day. You know, and one big mistake, people may not understand why is this an issue, but you know, folks will go out, they'll do a ton of inspections in one day, they'll go back to the hotel room and try and write everything up. It never fails that you missed a photo that you needed, or there was some item that you didn't document or that something is missing. It's typically going to set you behind in the long run. It sounds efficient on its face, but you can talk to a couple people that have been around the block a few times that it ends up working against you in the long run. Well, and as part of this, one of the things that almost all the carriers are going to now is actually having you complete your information for your estimate as soon as you're completed with that inspection wow. so that you actually write and review that estimate with that insured on site as long as it's, as long as it's within your authority level. Sure, sure. So that's a very important step that kind of ties right into that. So, Yeah, you know, the customer service environment has become so demanding. Um, everything is instantaneous. You know, we live in a society with Amazon has two-hour delivery, 24-hour customer service hotlines, and insur insurance is no different. People want to know um, who's coming out, when they're coming out. They want someone there as quickly as possible, and then they want one and done. They want to see you, and then they want to know exactly what's happening with their claim and know what the settlement's going to be before you even leave. So that makes sense. Yep. Well, and let, speaking of customer service, that particular aspect of things, this is 
a very, very important aspect of, of, of our business is mm. that you need to be customer service oriented. Um, you know, Teddy Roosevelt had a saying that was not meant for insurance, but I'm going to I'm going to steal it here no matter <laughs> what. And that is, is that, you know, Teddy said people do not care how much, you know, until they until they know how until they know that you care. Yeah. And and that is just so so important. You you have the empathy for what it is they're going through. You know that that particular situation. You might just be working a hail claim versus a, a total loss on a hurricane claim. Well, to that person with that hail claim, it may a be the very first claim they've ever had to go through. Yeah. You've got to be able to take just as much time with that. Make sure that their needs are addressed and their questions and items or concerns are addressed, you know, specifically. Absolutely. To them, so, their mm -hmm. claim is the only one that yeah. matters, and they that's how you have to treat it. Yeah, they don't care how many claims you have or how many other insureds you have to deal with because yeah. it's their claim. Absolutely. And that's the one that's the most important to them. So I think we've stressed the importance of SLOs. When an adjuster goes to work for Aberol, how are they going to find out about the SLOs that are specific to the carrier that they're working for? Well, as I mentioned before, we, in our orientations that we do, we go through very, very specifically what those expectations are. Great. You, you are set up. We, we, we don't want you to, to fail. We want to set you up for success every step of the way. You know, Eberl has got an outstanding training department. And we, we've got, uh, for the newer adjusters that are out there, we've got, uh, you know, three-day courses that will help them from beginning to end of a claim, from cradle Excellent. to grave, as you'll hear from time to time, and, and, and be able to walk through that. So all of those items are, are given to them. And I'd like to say that as much consistency as we see across carriers, be advised that any storm you work, it can and will be completely different from the one before it. Whether you're working for the same carrier or a different carrier, time and time again, and those of you that have adjusted for a while, you're going to know that you worked one storm in one location for a carrier. You work the same kind of claims in a different location, same carrier, different rules, different things to look out for, um, different regulations that are specific to that area. So don't get too set in any one way of doing things with the keeping in mind that everything could be different, as Dave alluded to earlier. Yeah. The only thing that's constant is change right and uh, the other the other saying I like to say is uh, the, the insurance companies live by the golden rule they have the gold they make, they the, make rules, the rules you know yes. so. <laughs> <laughs> excellent point excellent point we need to talk about that that ratio of inspected to close just a little bit more because it used to be industry-wide that if if you had done 10 inspections almost all the carriers wanted to see that you had eight of those done Anymore, in that's the same the, day? In, no, no, no. At any given time. If oh, you okay. Have, if, if, within your, your inventory, overall your overall inventory, just for the yes. sake of argument, you have 10 claims. Mm -hmm. And if you've inspected, you know, if you've inspected all 10 of those, they expect you to have at least eight of those closed. That's right. kind of the, 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 the old way, the old, the old standard, school, the yeah. old standard. Anymore, it's, it's, they want to see all 10 of those closed mm -hmm. as soon as they're inspected. They want to see them being submitted to file review because once in our particular case, again, on the Liberty Mutual and Safeco side, that still has to go through file review once you've got it done. Mm -hmm. And then if that review finds something, you may have to do a little bit more work. Sure. So there is always, that clock is always running. Absolutely. So, yeah. well, and I think you bring up a good point that um, just because you've completed your work on the claim mm -hmm. doesn't mean the claim is done and ready for submission. Obviously, we talked about on-site settlement, and that's one element of it. Mm -hmm. But there can be other things that will happen after you submit the claim that may or may not be within your control. Mm -hmm. So you're always striving to 
to inspect and close as quickly as possible or schedule and inspect as quickly as possible. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. While not sacrificing quality because, of course, we're magicians. Exactly. We can do it all. We can do it quickly. We can do it perfectly. And we always come back for more. Exactly. (laughs) Well, we basically work ourselves out of a job because we... That is our role, (laughs) strangely enough. We get all of our claims and get them done and get asked to come out again another time. So we talked a little bit about the productions, inspected to close ratios. Let's talk a little bit about dealing with on-site management. And Mm -hmm. I mean, you're going to report to more people than you ever thought you could report to. You've got team leads, team managers, Q&A, file reviewers, and that's just on the Eberl side. Then on the client side, you're going to have team leads and on and on and down the list. So Mm -hmm. let's talk a little bit about serving all these different masters. Yes. Well, I think first and foremost, once you, or once we have deployed you to someone, we will give you a contact that you could really deal with. An Ebro contact. An Ebro contact. Yeah. But if you're in the office or if there is an on-site, uh, you know, especially again in a catastrophe situation, there could be, um, you know, carrier-specific people there mm-hmm. helping out with the, with the catastrophe. There are Ebro people there, but really focus on the one person that we try to assign Great. you to for, you know, kind of be your go-to person for any questions that you might have. Absolutely. You know, we are there to assist the carrier, but we are, we're also our own separate entity. So it can get kind of confusing, but in general, you're always going to want to go to that Eberl contact with any questions or problems that you might have. If it's something that has to be escalated, they'll take care of that for you. If it's something that deals with the client directly, they're your liaison. They're there to help you out and be your advocate as well. So get to know your Eberl manager, memorize that phone number. They're going to be your best resource while you're on site. And I got to tell you, over the years, even when I was back doing claims, Ebro Management was always, you know, our leaning on, you know, our leaning post. We we always knew that they were there to help us. Sure. And uh, and always, and even from talking with um, other people in, from from you know other vendors, other companies that are out there, people that have come over to us have all almost all exclusively across the board has said just how much they appreciate the management style at Eberl. And that is... I've heard that as well. And I've heard from a a number of people that have said, you know, I was on site and I was working and I wasn't working for Eberl, but I got a ton of assistance from your managers and Mm -hmm. trainers and it was Mm -hmm. really valuable to me. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I'd like to put out there talking about on-site management. Dave has personally volunteered to be a manager for you if you don't happen to know who your manager is. So we're going to include his contact (laughs) information here at the end. Very good. (laughs) (laughs) 1-800-DAVE. All right. All right. So let's see. Um, We've already talked about this a number of times in different courses that we've had in some of our podcasts, but I think it bears reviewing again. So let's take a minute and talk about professionalism in general. What are the types of hours people are going to be working? What are the expectations, returning phone calls, phone messages, all of maybe the things that seem like small details, but they're really big? I think the availability, first of all, that you treat everybody professionally, of course, and especially in the office environment where it can be you know, very hot and contested at times. Sure. You know, who knows uh, what the what the day has been for that person? Yeah. I mean, you just have to, you know, keep a level head about you and, and work through sure. situations. Talk and respectful situations. to everyone. I'd like to point out mm-hmm. from the administrative staff all the way up the chain yes. to your fellow IAs and mm-hmm. their management teams as absolutely. well. Absolutely, absolutely. And then, um, as well as you know, you said hours worked. Basically, we've narrowed it down to just when you're awake. Basically, you know, okay. So, yeah, when when you're good. awake, not yeah. even upright, no, but just but awake. 
you're awake, <laughs> you should be working. No, uh, and, and anybody that has sat through any one of my orientations over the years, I, I've had an, an ongoing joke that nothing good in adjusting happens after 11 o'clock at night. Oh, right. And, I think my uh, mom used to say that, but it wasn't about adjusting. <laughs> yeah. You know, so especially calling your manager after 11, that, that cannot not cool. end well. Yeah, yeah so I, don't, I don't think that's necessarily, and certainly never contacting <laughs> an insured right. after, what, 8 p.m.? You know, I used to cut off my last calls about 8.30, 45 yeah. and and never never ran into any yeah you know, any I issues. think that so, sounds reasonable you know but right on those same lines phone messages emails and in today's society text messages um, it, it's it's just something that you, you set up your expectations within your voicemail for instance right. say you know hey this is Dave with Eberl claims and you know I return calls between 4 and 8 p.m. in the evening and, and Absolutely. Then, and then do it. And then you have to do and, it. And do it. Or call them before that. I mean, it's mm-hmm. it's something that, you know, that old saying about, you know, under promise and over deliver. Absolutely. And, well, and I think sometimes uh, carriers will sort of give you a script of what they want on your voicemail. Mm-hmm. And it's important to note when you leave the storm site, a lot of times they have specific instruction. Mm-hmm. You know, hello, I'm so-and-so. I'm no longer handling your claim. Mm-hmm. Please contact this number. So mm-hmm. be sure that you have correct stuff on your voicemail. Very true. Very true. So as far as hours worked, um, a lot of times people maybe don't understand that when you get to a storm site, specifically CAT, but I'm going to venture to say most any assignment you take with Avril, I would not envision getting time off for at least the first 30 days. Mm-hmm. On a CAT site, I really wouldn't envision you getting time off at all mm-hmm. just because they're shorter in nature. I mean, our purpose is there to turn claims quickly. Mm-hmm. But so keep that in mind when you're accepting an assignment. If you know you're going to need a couple days off for a graduation, a wedding, etc., it's not often we can work with that. Rare occasions we can, but be upfront and let us know what those needs are going to be, and it'll avoid an com- uncomfortable situation once that time comes on site. And again, that needs to be that information needs to get to your Ebro manager as soon as possible, even mm-hmm. as you're headed to the to the job site. And if I you're mean, running late, that's another time you need to call yes. your Ebro manager. Yes. People are expecting you to be there on a certain time, not only to fulfill our commitments to our clients, but we're concerned about your welfare. Anything can happen to you. For from the time you leave home to the time you get on site. Mm-hmm. So if at any point you don't you don't feel that you're going to make those deadlines, be sure and contact your April manager immediately. Yes, and I think one other thing I'd like to throw in along with the professionalism is scheduling anymore is getting to be very, very, you know, with these tighter time frames, mm-hmm. you need to allow yourself once you are into your routine of inspections and then returning calls, returning files that may need some additional work done, yeah. uh, returning messages, setting up new inspections, setting up new scheduling. Uh, you need to set aside time within your schedule to be able to handle all of that other work. So, yeah. and again, those are all things that we'll we'll discuss with you on site. We'll discuss with yeah. you beforehand, you know, through the training department, that type of thing. So, especially for those that have not done this before, that's yeah, absolutely. It it, it, it is a it, it is not like any other job that's out there. Yeah, it really isn't. Well, and we had talked about scheduling um, a little bit earlier, and and just to kind of go into that a little more, so. What are your what's your advice to a newer adjuster who's going out who isn't sure how much time to leave for an inspection? Mm-hmm. That's a little bit of an ambiguous question only because depending upon on the, the loss itself. On the loss itself. Of course. You know, for instance, there was a little hailstorm here just this past week in some of the smaller communities in the in the south uh, eastern corner of of Colorado. There were adjusters that were at the site because of the size and the and the duration of the storm. 
that were at a home for over three hours before they started writing up the wow, estimate. Wow, really? And then on the other hands, there's claims here in Denver that had decent hail damage, but because it was very directional and it wasn't as big, mm -hmm. they were maybe 45 minutes doing the inspection and another half hour to 45 minutes to write the write up the wow. estimate. So it can vary dramatically. And, and again, hopefully we can give you a little headway once we get there, Yeah, uh, you know, kind of hearing you know, seeing what's out what there. What other people are reporting exactly. once they've gone out yeah. there. So a little bit ambiguous, but, you know, if you could set your sights on, if, if you're really, really new, at least doing two that first day, and yeah. we really try, especially if you've not had much field experience, getting out with you, doing a ride along of so course. that we can kind of walk you through the steps of scoping the loss and making sure you're getting the information and getting the photos that you need. While being efficient and using your time wisely. Exactly, and, and, and getting it done so where Great. you can be... Uh, able to write that estimate right there. Excellent. So, you know, I think we've covered a ton of good things about what to do before you even leave the house, how to be prepared, um, having stuff ready, all of those good things, how to be successful on site, mostly, you know, around what are the new requirements, um, what are they expecting with inspected to close, and who's going to be a resource, hint, hint, it's your Eberl manager at all times. So let's talk about finishing strong and getting ready to go all over again. And that is the, the thing we talked about earlier, about you're basically working yourself out of a job once you get there. But finishing strong is, is that you may, have, uh, you may have those last two or three claims that you need to finish up. And you want to be able to finish them up completely. Mm -hmm. You want to have a good quality product right up until the very end. And you want to be able to review maybe with your on-site manager and maybe even get some good feedback as to what to improve on the next time. Or, so don't or, expect to write your last claim and check out that afternoon. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and it may be that you, you have to turn those last claims in one day and then you may not get them back for the next till the yeah. next day in case there's anything that needs to be done. Excellent. So. And I would like to just talk a little bit about cleanup. Um, for the folks out there that aren't familiar with cleanup, you want to explain a little bit about that? So as the storm winds down, uh, fewer claims come in, some adjusters get released, and other adjusters are asked to stick around for the cleanup phase, which is a, a slightly slower pace, but yet um, there is still plenty of work to be done on yeah. the back end of the storm. Either so maybe there are claims with contractor negotiations or supplements or... Yes. Or, you know, just a, an additional inspection needs to be done. Yeah. Or, you know, a request from an insured to take a look at something that she felt, she mm -hmm. or he felt was missed. Excellent. And okay. uh, just an excellent opportunity for... Um, more than just running a claim day in and day out, sure. claims all day long. So, Yeah, you know, everyone that I've ever talked to that's done cleanup, even the ones that entered it with some trepidation, the ones that are typically like, I want to get in and out in 30 days, they always come away um, saying that it's helped build their construction knowledge, their negotiation skills, helped with overall file quality, because you're going through looking at other people's files. So you're seeing every way that it can be done and what's good and what isn't. And it never hurts to kind of ingratiate yourself to the carrier. But there's a lot of people that work cleanup for years on end in their backyard because they went out and did a good job and the TM was impressed with them and kept them on. Exactly. So I, I encourage everyone to take it. I just want to wrap up kind of to say that here at Eberl, everyone is here to ensure your success. Dave alluded to it before. We have got a world-class training department. They are there to help you with any questions about getting started, what training you should take, how to get the certifications that you need, help you with exact to make questions. They can talk about carrier-specific requirements. So we encourage you to reach out to them. They are a great resource. As always, you've got your Eberl dispatcher that's available to you. We've got our Eberl 
workforce department that's ready to serve at a moment's notice, by all means, contact us. Please don't be out there having questions or wondering or being unsure. We are here for you. Dave, you want to add anything else? I can't think of anything. Good recap. All right, excellent. Well, thanks so much for your time. We appreciate you sharing your knowledge with us, and I think everyone's looking forward to seeing you on the next storm. Thanks so much. Thanks for having me.